The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. God made me punch in accurate numbers. My castle won't crumble. What I tackle will fumble. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda. Triangle, look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest things are being one of God's angels. Yeah. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast. I am back. It's your boy Jay Spencer King. I know that I got the intro a little off there. I'm a little rusty. It's been a couple weeks. So y'all gonna have to forgive me. What is going on, everybody? It's your boy Jay Spence. I am happy to be back. I um as everybody knows, it's been a it's been a trying couple of weeks, but um, I'm here, I'm back, and we're going to get it going. We're going to get it going. Um, there's been a couple changes, been a couple changes. So Madison Carter is absolutely still going to be joining us soon. Um, it looks like Sean King had a family emergency. He may be popping in or he may not, but we're going to make sure we get him on here because we have some things that we that he would like to say, some things that I would like for him to say. And um, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get there, but I've got dog hair on me. But uh, I also invited somebody who um, I admire, somebody I look up to, somebody who has been putting in a lot of work in the community of Buffalo for BNMC and just for the community. I'm going to bring him in now. And then uh, when when Madison joins us, we'll we'll bring her in as well. Uh, So Kyrie Stevens from BNMC is joining me. What is going on, Kyrie? My man, what's good? Man, I appreciate you um, taking the time out to do this. I know 
like like me, I know it's been a lot going on for you the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, like I said, thank you for joining me. But uh, let's let's get right into it, man. It's a couple it's a couple things that we're going to talk about when Madison joins us. But um, you've you've been like on the front line of this. So like from the moment it happened and and the it that we're talking about. In case every if there's any listeners. Um, who aren't aware of what I'm talking about. If you're watching this live, you see the background. I changed the backdrop. And um, there's there's the list of the 10 names of the victims who passed away at the hands of a coward at Tops on Jefferson. Uh, we, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how it affected the East Side. We're going to talk about how it affect or how it affects the Black community. We're going to talk about how it, how it affects the community of Buffalo as a whole, not just to, to continue to separate things, um, I do want to talk about it from a from a perspective of being a black man or a black woman in Buffalo, but I also I want to take off the, the segregation even out of conversation. That's a big problem that we have, and we're going to talk about that. But so let's just from the from the start um, when it happened, when you when when it first happened, and you went down there. Um, just tell me about your experience, like the, the day of, like what what is it that how, how did that whole thing kind of just play out for you? Man, um, you know, it was uh, surreal because I was at a, a baby shower, um, my sister's baby shower. And then prior to that, I was at a christening. And then I was about to head to the ECMC gala uh, to celebrate, you know, all of the um, frontline workers who are nurses and doctors and EMTs and all of them. <clears throat> and I went, so I was, uh, I heard about it and then I heard about it again. Like first I heard that there, someone had got shot at, at tops and I was like, wow, that sucks. I mean, that's, that's terrible. Why are they shooting people at tops? And then I heard it was a mass shooting at tops. And I was like, wait a minute, it's a mass shooting. And then I heard that he was, the shooter was specifically targeting black people. And I was at the ECMC gala. They canceled the actual um, uh, program part, but the cocktail hour was still there. Was And I was there and I found myself crying and pulling myself together and then crying and pulling myself together because, you know, I'm in, I'm in front of a lot of uh, people and, and uh, a lot of people I don't know and a lot of people who are not from my community. So, um, you know, I finally go home and then I get a call um, from, you know, my CEO that there's going to be another call tomorrow. And um, I get on the call and uh, I was kind of thrown into the forefront, um, so to speak. I thought I was joining the call to kind of be a contributor. And they were like, Kyrie, so what are we doing? And from that moment on, I have been, in, you know, uh, doing vigils, doing interviews, doing uh coalescing people, talking to nonprofit leaders, uh, business leaders, community leaders, um, and just creating a um, multi-generational, multi-sectored uh, coalition of people to try to make some, some things change, man. Um, there's, there's always, um, you know, East Side of Buffalo has always gotten a lot of promises, um, but there hasn't been a whole lot of change there. And I felt at that point that enough was enough. And I got to I got to do something and create a plan and, and implement some things because I couldn't I was tired of waiting on people 
to kind of help uh, and come alongside and help Buffalo. So I was like, man, it's got to be bias for us. So I've been working on that since then, man. And, you know, so I have, I've been nonstop and I, there's been times where I, w- I would just break down and then I would have to pull it together because um, not that I can't grieve and I have grieved. I have taken some time to kind of think about that. But these people were like people I knew, like, of course, you know, Pearl, like that was, you know what I mean? That's we know Pearl. Then the security guy that got shot, that was my boy. Remember, Nuke Charles getting his his uncle. So I, I was and plus I grew up from I grew up over there. I was at church down the street all the time. I lived on Dodge, which was around the corner. I lived on my first apartment was down the street at 953 uh, Jefferson. So this is my community. I was there all the time. And, and that tops was not just a place to go get groceries. It was a, a communal space. It was a, a place where people congregated and saw family and stood in the parking lot. And, you know, that's why he was able to shoot people in the parking lot because you were staying there for long periods of time talking to family and, and friends. So, man, this has just been devastating for our community. And, um, you know, but you know, we're going to make some, we're going to, we're going to use this to make some change. Yeah. So, so you're, I, I mean, it's in a way you, you had a similar day to me when the day it happened, but I mean, obviously I'm out here in Arizona, but I was, you know, at, at a professional event, I was, you know, doing some things. I was working. It was actually the Levi Wallace classic. You know, he had a, a golf mm-hmm. classic and Jordan Poyer was there and, um, you know, Cam Lewis, couple couple of the Bills players and, and just some some good people. I got to meet Levi's family. His mother's an angel. She's an absolute sweetheart. And I got to meet, you know, Jordan's mom. And I got to meet, you know, so I had a good time. And we're in there and I'm getting ready to do the auction. And it's like, you know, they're like, yo, Spence, can you do the auction for us before you head out? Because, you know, we just, and I'm like, cool, whatever. So I, I look on my phone and I see there's a mass shooting in Buffalo. And it's like, man, so, you know, you know, I called you, you know, I called my mom, I called, you know, there, there were certain people that I called, I called my grandmother and, you know, my grandmother's like, to my knowledge, everybody's good. We're good. I called my mom and I'm like, I know this ain't your tops, but you know, just in case, you know, you'd be out, just wanted to make sure. She's like, nope, we're good. And so I go back to doing what I'm doing. And, and so, so the thing is that that's the first part for me personally. And this is the first time I'm actually speaking about this like publicly. Uh, but but it, it I was disappointed in myself because it's like we we've gotten so we've gotten to the point where things are are so desensitized. You know, and, and we're so used to, you know, like we hear about these things so much that it's like some mass shooting. And then you just go kind of go back like, dang, man, that's messed up. And then go back to what we're doing. And it's not that I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that I didn't care, um, because like you mentioned, just just like you, you know, I lived on I lived over there on Utica, you know, right. Not like literally around the corner. I've, I've spent time there when you were living over there. There were times that we would be there when I worked at m and You know, there were times that I would go there on my way home or um, just, just several times. And like you mentioned, it, it was a community spot. It wasn't just a supermarket. It was a place that you would go. You would catch up with people that you haven't seen in months or years at times. And, you know, so I drive home and the entire time I'm still up on it. Like I'm, I'm seeing the news and I'm seeing what's going on. My grandmother calls me and she's like, yo, what you doing? And at this point, I'm literally backing into my driveway. And she calls me and she's like, you know, what are you doing? 
And I'm like, oh, I just backed up. What's going on? And she was like, you know, I got some news for you, but I just wanted to make sure that you were like in a place that you could take it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, like, go ahead. And so she tells me about, about Pearl. And, you know, I already kind of gave um, a couple weeks ago when I was in Buffalo, I kind of gave a brief, I guess, ex- explanation or description of my relationship with her. But, um, you know, she was somebody special to me, bless you. Uh, she, she was special to me and, and you know, that other people, you know, the people we, we know, and it, it killed me because the emotions behind, I guess I was disappointed in myself because I, I didn't allow myself to care the same way prior to knowing that it was somebody who meant something to me. And I know I can't beat myself up for that. I know I can't sit here and be upset or angry at the fact that, um, you know, my emotions weren't there prior to knowing or whatever. Like, I, I get it. It's not my fault. And I can't put that. But I was upset. Man. I, was, I was really upset about it. And the, the part that really um, the part that really ended up bugging me afterwards is then it's like this dude went live. This dude streamed it. You know, he he. He apologized to a, another you know, white you know, person that he, he, he apologized. Oh, I'm sorry to that person. And then he went to shoot people who were on the ground. And and, and that's the part. It's like, so, so a lot of times, or during these past two and a half weeks, um, I've been very, very vocal. Mm. Very, very vocal. Typically, I don't use my platform to speak about politics, race relations, I don't speak about like I just don't because not not because I don't care about these things, but a lot of times you know I would I would refrain from speaking about them because I wanted to give people the opportunity to have an escape from that. So yeah. same thing like part of the reason why I stopped personally watching ESPN a while ago is because you know like Jamel Hill and and others were like very vocal, which is cool for them, and I'm not I wasn't judging them, but I I needed an escape from it. So I, I try to do that with my podcast. I try to talk about football and the bills and I talk about music and all this other stuff that I, that I love. And then it's like something like this happens and it's like, it's just, it just doesn't seem as important. It doesn't seem like, you know, it's like talking about sports is a luxury that just wasn't that important. You know, it, it, and so I got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I love everybody. If, if y'all following me for sports and y'all following me for this, I apologize. Cause that's not what you about to get from me for a little bit. Like I'm about to be, mm-hmm. I got to talk about where my heart is. So, so now fast forward two and a half weeks and I can tell you, I am no more at peace than I was when it happened. Mm. Like I've been losing sleep. I've been, um, I've been grieving. Like you mentioned, you know, there's been, there hasn't been a day that I haven't just like, you seem normal at one point, then you know, it's just like, it's just not the same. It's not the same. And so I just want to, from your perspective, just like what your experience was, just so people can hear, because a lot of times I think, especially like outside looking in, it's like, yeah, we grieve with that community and yeah, we feel for that community. But unless you are actually a part of that community, a lot of times yeah. Yeah. you don't get it. And and I wanted to publicly grieve, not to the point where I'm just out here crying on, on the show and timeline and stuff, but I wanted people to understand the processes and the steps that we've been going through. And, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to do that publicly. But I wanted to do that because there are so many people who claim they love me. 
You know, mm-hmm. like there's just so many people who claim they support the family, or they support the church, they support the pod, support all this stuff. And then it's, it's just words instead of action. Right. And and so the reason why I went to Grievous is like, no, if you if you claim you love me and you really love me, I want you to see this pain. And then I want you to be real about it. I don't want you to just say it for the for the fun of it. You know, like I don't want you to say it when the cameras are there. When the, when, when the news leaves, I still need to see you putting in some work. Right. Because that's how important it is to me. Before I go any further, I want to bring in um, my other special guest. She's joining me now. She she just she has some going. She's a professional. So she had a lot going on. I want to bring in my homegirl. I love this woman so much. Miss Madison Carter. What is going on? I cannot believe you actually let me onto the show after arriving here fashionably late. But hello. Greetings. Um, Thank you for having me. I just don't know how to read because I'm thinking we're supposed to be here at night. I have my hair wrapped up, as you can see. I'm just going to get real cute for a nine o'clock podcast. But here we are at eight. So It's all good. No apologies needed. I am grateful that you are here. Um, obviously, boy on here. Yep, I'm with us. Um, so I, we, we kind of were just talking about, um, obviously, you heard the tail end of that there. We were t- just talking about the experience the day of, and I remember um, speaking to you the night of, and you were like, you know what, I'm on my way to Buffalo. Like, I'm, I'm headed there now. And I don't know if that was like a, I feel like after talking to you, it was a personal decision for you to go, but um, also professionally. So just from the jump, like from your time there, like going, you know, what was the inspiration for you to just be like, no, I need to be there. And then just kind of talk about what you experienced being there. Yeah, I'm out. It's Saturday. I'm here in Atlanta. So I'm out having a good time with my friends. And then I started getting text messages from actually former TV people in Buffalo. And they were saying, yo, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? And I'm like, no, I'm, you know, coming off a boozy brunch. What do you mean? And then I start reading the news and I've never gotten that sober that fast. I mean, it was like, it was truly sobering news. And so I'm sitting around, I turned on, like I work for um, the company that owns Channel 2 now, but I turned on 7, that was my former station. And just my mind didn't even think to, oh, watch your people. Like, oh, those are my people. So I turn on 7, I'm watching their wall-to-wall coverage. I'm thinking about what I would have been doing if I were on the ground. Um, I, I think I put out a tweet too that was like, yo, this is when it really matters who who brings the news, right? This is when it matters, you know, that you trust somebody, that you know that somebody um, might have a camera and a microphone, but they care about you, that they've been to your community before today. So I had those thoughts going through my head. And I think I'm just putting out tweets being like, oh, I wish I was there. I need to be on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. And then I finally got the call from um, the senior vice president of news for my company. And she said, can you get on a plane? I said, ticket's already booked, I'm on my way. So um, I, I got there as soon as I could. First direct flight there was. Buffalo misses you. And I'm, this isn't, I promise, this isn't like a public, I'm not trying to recruit you back to Buffalo. Like, I <laughs> they, got, they got money back there? Let me know. Hey, I'm, I'm bags are already packed. I'll let you know. But I mean, I just want you to, to know, like, from, from me personally, and then even from the people that I've heard from who were there, and um, we appreciate you coming back for that. Um, and not just to come back to report on it, but you're right. It matters who's there and, and it matters who, who is the one bringing the news and who is because it, you got to be able to relate to really get yeah. that message across the right way. And I just want to appreciate you publicly. I just want to say that before we go any further. Um, Kyrie, did you, did you um, have anything to add to either what she said or what, because I, I want to move on a little bit, but 
Yeah, no, no. I mean, Buffalo definitely misses you. You know, you are my sis from the moment I met you because you're so real and authentic and it, it you didn't just come and report news. You became a part of the community and, and part of the family. And, you know, that is not always how it happens in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, you know, Buffalo is a very silo place and there are uh, pockets of people who don't always mesh with everybody else, but you were never that. And th those to, to lose a person like that in our community when, when everybody's not like that, there's always a hole. And uh, so I, I'm just, uh, you know, really gr grateful to see you and grateful that you, you showed up and, you know, um, that's it. We just we miss you. I'm I'm working hard out here, and it's no, you know it's it's hard to get you know a, another you. So I appreciate that so much. It's always nice what they say when you give people their flowers when they can still receive them. Like that that's what that feels like to me. So I just want to say thank you to both of you. Well, that's that's what I try to do, and I and I try to do it you know really for everybody, but especially when I get the opportunity to say it face to face, and um, you know kind of like what Kyrie was saying, just to echo that. Like, you know, I started this podcast a couple of years ago and I met you prior to starting the podcast. Like we actually met, um, I think it was, it was at one of the colleges. There was a, an event going on. ECC. We kind of hosting. Was it ECC? Why yeah, do you remember that? Me. Uh, my, he was with me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't he even realize that. And, but the thing is, um, like in the pod space, like obviously I do sports and I do all this stuff, but like you really, you big homie me. And, and I appreciate that. Like you like, no, we're going to get you in the you can get you down with the NA, you know, like, like, yes. the, like you really big home in me and you connected me with some good people and you, you know, you kind of, you made sure you had my back and I appreciate that. So, you know, I, we ain't gonna keep loving on you. We ain't gonna make you cry now. We gonna move no, on. No, you gotta get to your podcast topics because there are some yeah. important things that I know we got to talk about tonight, but thank, thank you to both of you. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure we got an opportunity to say that because I do, I do that with Kiri every time I talk to him almost too much. So I, I do that with him all the time. But so let's let's um let's let's talk about the issues that I feel and and really you can bring up some stuff too. But one of the biggest issues in in Buffalo for me, um, obviously we can talk about the food desert. But before we get there, I want to talk about the fact that the the city is still viewed as one of the most segregated in the country. Um, the and and it can be. You can look at that and say it's by design, like, the, you know, once the 33 was built and all this other stuff, like we, we read all the articles, we know the history. But the thing is, you know, it's a very difficult thing to explain to people outside of Buffalo, because every city I've ever been to, I'm not going to say every city, but for the most part, like 95% of the cities I've been to just don't operate the same way Buffalo does when it comes to that. So um, let's start with Madison, then we'll swing it to Kyrie. But why is it? Aside from obviously what happened, why is it an issue that the east side is mostly black people, south side is mostly, west side is Hispanics? Like, why is that an issue? I think this is a good question, and it might be easier for me to explain to your broader audience as somebody who came into Buffalo. So I came into the experience. Curious had a few more years on me of, of living in that world. But I will say, um, when you talk about why is it an issue, it's because it is designed that way. The 33 is a highway that legitimately went through this beautiful park and separated like the black people from the rest of downtown. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves, and it's something that came back up with all the reporting on Buffalo, was that people use East Side as a synonym for black people. 
And it just, it pisses me off. I'm like, say black people if you need to, but like in Buffalo, it is synonymous. You say East side, it means you're talking about black people. Um, And because East of Main Street, that is where most of the black people live. And it gives people in Buffalo almost this false sense of security. It's like, oh, like that's happening over there or they're poor over there or they don't have grocery stores over there. Um, I was talking to some journalists and I remember them saying, you know, oh, we heard there was a shooting and we said, where was it? And they said, you know, Jefferson. They're like, oh, all right. Like, like that's how ingrained it is in people's minds that like we are, we are othered in Buffalo. Um, so when you're talking about all the development, the Renaissance, the Renaissance rather, that's not happening anywhere besides essentially downtown Buffalo, Elmwood Village, uh, Delaware. So um, those are just some neighborhoods near downtown for people who aren't from there. So, so when you talk about why is it a problem, it's because people, um, there are two to three sides of Buffalo. There's the Buffalo you hear about, there are the Buffalo Bills, and then there is East Buffalo or the East side of Buffalo. Area, you can jump in. Yeah, I, I just want to kind of add to that. I mean, East Side is synonymous with like with Black people. I mean, eighty percent of the people in Buffalo th- that are African American live on the East Side, and you know, one is a statistic that is that kind of help people put things in perspective is on the East Side, your life expectancy is ten years less than anywhere else on the city in the city because of social determinants of health because of the redlining, because of the food apartheid. It's not, it's not a, a desert, it's, it's by design, so it's food apartheid. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the houses are, and, and the infrastructure, not just the houses, but the buildings that are, um, you know, from disinvestment, they, they're not taken care of. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a place where, you know, being a military brat and live in different places and going and visiting other places, when you come back into the Buffalo, you know, usually people like brag on Buffalo, like Madison said, they they take you to waterfront, that's which is a new thing, or they take you to downtown, you know, they take you to Elmwood Village and and uh Allentown. They don't take you to the east side, they don't take you to certain parts of the west side, they don't take you to certain parts of South Buffalo. And the siloing of Buffalo is, I think, the number one uh, hindrance to its growth and innovation because there are so much, there's so much, you know, brain power and superpower that is in these other silos that never get tapped into because they're forgotten and neglected and they're never cultivated. And uh, it's, it's infuriating. It's, you know, I have you know, I have since moved off of the east side of Buffalo because I didn't want to raise my kids over there. You know, it's like I still have family. My my family home is still there uh, that I grew up in. My sister, my sisters uh, are still there. But it's like we go in, we hang out with family and then we we try to, you know, we try to get up, get up out of there. And, you know, we're, I'm working in the community because I'm from there and I love the place. But it is not a place sometimes where you know the school systems are 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 bad and i don't want my kids to feel like you know they're getting less than what they deserve and i feel like on the east side we're getting less than what we deserve and it has been like that for a very long time so um we're we're do, we're doing things we're trying to do things about it now sorry to cut you off there like what you just said about education that was so important because 
the thing is, it's like, so you and I, I feel are, are blessed and, and we had an opportunity that not everybody from the East side gets. So uh, Kyrie and I, we both went to city honors and it's, it's like, it's a public school, but it's not like, it's like a private school. You yep. got to take a test and you got to, you know, you're, so we were able to go there and we got this great education, but it's like, you know, some of my closest friends, some of my family members went to the schools that's right there on the east side, you know, and at one point Bennett was looked at as, oh, Bennett, man, they have a great law program and they have this. It wasn't looked at like that when we were in high school. Uh, you know, Burgard wasn't looked at like that. And I'm not saying I'm not speaking negatively about those schools. So if you're listening and you went there, represent, I feel you. But at the same time, you know, there's a clear difference with with the way the education is um spread out through the city of Buffalo and there's the education system like we're already talking about the grocery stores there's like on, on Bailey you know there are two grocery stores close to Bailey and Kennington one is on Harlem and that's in Chittawaga and one is on Main Street and that's in Amherst why do the people of the east side need to go into another town to get groceries regardless I don't care if it's if it's five blocks why do we have to go into another town and support that town as opposed to supporting our east side that we that we love. Why aren't the schools getting the same opportunities that, you know, the schools in other areas get? Like this is the issue for me. You know, Amherst has has a pretty good school system. You know, your kids, I believe, Carrie, they go to um Sweet Home. So same thing. Why why can't we get the same type of opportunities educationally as Sweet Home? Why can't we get you know, Orchard. I, I haven't been to Orchard Park, so I, I want to speak about Orchard Park schools and stuff. But I can guarantee you, they got a little bit better off, you know, of a system overall than we have on the east side of Buffalo. And I just don't understand that. And and this is leading to my next point. How do we hold the leadership accountable? Because listen, Carrie, I know you work in the, in, the, in the city, so you ain't got to really say too much. I don't want you to get in no type. You know, it's Kurt. Well, no, I, I know you know, I ain't scared. I know. My boss ain't scared. <laughs> and, and I don't, but it's like, okay, so Byron Brown was on CNN. Mm -hmm. And this is what really got me going. Like, because I was, I was grieving, you know, just, I was just grieving the loss. And then I see this dude on CNN and he's like, the east side of Buffalo, you know, the black community has been disenfranchised and underloved and underfunded for decades upon decades and upon decades. Bruh. You've been the mayor for 16 of those years and you was a council member. You he, he basically climbed the ladder in politics in Buffalo. So you've been in positions of power to be able to help. But you're blaming it on, on decades and decades of, of other stuff? Like what what are we doing here? And and so for me, it's like at what point or how do we hold this man accountable? We can start with Maddie because she Madison, she was like, I got something to say. So let's start off with Madison. So I'll, I'll jump off your point because I spent a lot of my time trying to understand this. Like, and I think I even talked about it, like why people have turned on the mayor is because they feel like we've given you not one, not two, three, four, but five terms to get around to us. And from the people I spoke with that have worked in the administration, they're not curious, I will say this. My outside sources, I think the strategy, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, was that the mayor was saying, and I think he has said publicly, you know, I gotta, I gotta build Buffalo um, in these areas, and then like eventually we'll get there. He's like, like he's like, let me, let me have some growth here, and then it'll spread. He's he's saying like the growth is gonna spread to different parts of the city, but the problem is like 
that economic advancement, the development, the educational opportunities, the art, the culture has not yet spread to the east side outside of Northland. Northland, I think is a fantastic facility. Um, Northland Workforce Training Center, it's a place where people go to get workforce training. There's an art exhibit there. Ooh, the best restaurant is over there, Mana, my goodness, one of my favorite places. Um, and that was a big deal. He really touted that as like, you know, here, I thought I was coming to the east side and, and I put this one center here. Um, I think people are fed up. They said, hey man, we've, we've given you a lot of time for it to spread to us, for it to be our turn. You did what you had to do. You brought these people in, the development's great. When is it our turn? And he just hasn't gotten there yet. And I don't know if he's going to. All right, so I can go. Your All turn. Right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. go. <laughs> um, so my take is that at this point, we can't wait on Byron Brown. We can't wait on council members. We can't wait on anybody. It has to be something that is done for the community, by the community, which has to start with awareness, awakening. Um, it has to start with um, education, education and, and understanding what resources are out there. Because like Madison has said, it has been like five terms, right? And it, it hasn't happened yet. And part of it is because um, I think um, the east side of Buffalo is a bit dejected. It's, but it's disenfranchised. And a lot of people on the east side, side stopped dreaming about what could be, what should be. And they got into this place where it's just like, well, this is, it is what it is. They said it was going to happen. It, it didn't happen. So, you know, who am I? How can I change this? I, you know, and that's what happens when you get promised over and over and nothing happens. So I think we have to start to continue. We have to start to uh, coalesce and pool our resources and do what, uh, you know, what, what, what they did after, um, after you know, during Reconstruction, where, where the black people came together and they, you know, they did things because nobody was going to come help them. Second thing is there has to be some type of law that is passed that is an anti-racism law against black folk. Asians got it. LGBTQ got it. You know, um, you know, they say they come and listen to us, but they don't do anything for us, and. You know, if you look at what what happened in Tulsa, or you look at Rosewood, or you look at any Black Wall Street, you look at any of these places. Even the, after the economic growth came and they began, we began to take care of ourselves. It didn't stop people from using white supremacy to come in and tear down and dismantle everything that we've already built. So there has to be uh, some measures put into place where people can't come into our communities and 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 tear them apart because this guy who came and shot, he didn't come from Buffalo, he came from outside. So what is there to stop people from coming from outside of our city into our city to wreak havoc on our city? It has to start with us paying attention to who's around and, and safeguarding and, and, and like, cause you can't come into Cheetawaga, right? You can't come into Cheetawaga and if they don't know you, they're not gonna follow you or question you and say, where you come, where you coming from, right? You can't come into Amherst and from an as an outsider and not be checked. 
East side, you could come in and not be checked. And we have to, we got to, we got to, we got to change that. You know, whether Byron Brown uh, has another term or doesn't have another term or whoever gets in the office, it's not going to happen with just government. It can't be just government. It has to be a multi-sector, multi-generational thing that, that changes and turns it on its head. And then uh, some safeguards got to be put into place. I know this isn't my podcast, but I have a question. Because <laughs> uh, Curie brought up something that I was seeing online. I didn't jump into this into the discussion because I didn't have anything for them yet. But what I kept seeing come up was um, people saying how Black people are an open, a loving, and a forgiving people. Like we just immediately after the families were saying, I know I'm going to forgive him. I'm not ready yet, but I'm going to forgive him. And black people, a lot of them were like, why are we this way? What you just said about like, yeah, come on in. You need some groceries? Come on over here. You need to know where the rolls are at? Let me take you. Like, that's just who we are. And I wonder, um, I don't think that's going to change. But, no. but just hearing that discussion, what do, you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think it should change. I don't think it should change that we don't, that we are not, aren't love. I mean, that I don't want us to not be loving and inclusive and forgiving. But I do want us to be wise. You know, I do want us to pay attention to the signs. Um, if it, you know, um, there are people who mean us harm just because of how we look. It, it's a fact. The DOJ says, the Department of Justice, Justice and Department of Defense, the DOD says uh, that the number one threat towards the, um, uh, the safety of America is white supremacy, right? And if that's the case, where is the like you know and i got this from um from um sean king he said where's where's the the uh i would say time talent and treasure but where are the where's the the plan the uh the budget and the people resources that are allotted to keeping to dealing with that and keeping us safe i think there has to be a certain um group of us who becomes the guard at the gate we'll let you in we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna harass you, but we're gonna make, we're gonna vet you. There has to be a vetting process, and I don't mean in a process a, a, like, you know, where they follow you, where we're not gonna follow you around the store because we think you're gonna steal in that way. But we're gonna, have, we're gonna have a conversation. Like we're gonna, we're gonna build relationship to say, okay, we know that this person is, is, you know, somebody that we love, we trust, where we want to include. But it can't just be automatic. There, you, there, you don't get citizenship in any country just automatically. You don't get you shouldn't be able to just come into the the east side and um and not have to have a conversation or have relationship with anybody. You can come like you can come into the east side, you can buy up our property, you can do whatever you want to do and never talk to your neighbors. You know, never have a relationship. And that that can't be how we do things. It, everything has to be from through relationship. We, if you don't want to have a relationship with us, don't use the don't use the resources that we we have. You know what I mean? Our houses, our all of that stuff. You 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 can't do it without relationship, man. And I think we have to. We are a relational, communal people, and when that's not going to change. But we have to expect people to want to have a relationship with us too. We can't just continue to, you know. Um, be 
you know, pushed away all the time. Like we, we like, sometimes we like grabbing for the hug and they stiff arming us and we still grabbing for the hug and they stiff arming us. And we like, oh, you're going to get it eventually. And it's just like, when do you move on to the next person? You know? And when do you start to hug yourself? When do you go to your next neighbor and hug yourself? So, you know, some of that, the, some of the stuff that I'm saying is controversial and I understand that, but it's true. Like we have to start loving ourselves and we have to ex- demand relationship. We have to demand reciprocity. We have to demand, you know, people who say they love us to show up, show up and show us that they love us, not just talk about it. Don't just sit down and listen to my problem because what we do is become, we become experts at explaining the problem. And because people sit down and listen to us, we feel like they care, but nobody, you can listen and, and, and not do anything. You know, I care about you by my actions, not by me just listening. And I think there has to be a time for action for the East side, for the black community, period. When are y'all going to show, we're all going to pull up on us and show us that you love us. And not just in the times where there's, where there's trauma and drama, where are you going, you going to pull up, are you going to pull up on a Thursday night when there's nothing going on? Are you going to come to the, uh, um, you're going to pull up to the Juneteenth parade? And not, and not just be in a parade, but come, you, are you going to come and sit down and, and talk and hear the history? When you start doing that, then we know you care. Yeah. And and you know what? To your point, I actually, it was one of the things that I sent out as a, like, I don't, I, I can't call it a press release. But when I was, like, explaining kind of how my shift was going to be coming up, I, I said, like, you know, Black people, we always tend to find um, beauty in our pain. And we always tend to, um, we heal ourselves and we heal the outside like the people who did it to us we heal them while we're healing ourselves and I I don't I don't regret that like I don't think that that's a negative thing for us but I agree with you at some point it has to be um look you got to reciprocate we we need this to be real we need this to be a two-way street we need this to be one of those things where if you say one of the one of the things that really got to me, and this is this is a personal thing, so I can't I'm not speaking for anybody else on the show. I'm not speaking for anybody else in the community. But one of the things that really got to me, um, I understand the gestures of coming down to Jefferson and I understand volunteering time. I get it and I appreciate it. Trust me, like when I was down on Jefferson, one of the things that was so beautiful to me, again, is how how accepting we are of people and trying to um, come together as a community in moments like this. But. The issue for me is how many of those people have ever stepped foot on the east side before? And I'm talking about from from the the person who nobody knows who just came to do it all the way up to the, the most popular person on the football team. How many times have you stepped on the east side of Buffalo? I know Dion lives over there, but other people are, are there and it's a press it's a press release. It's a photo op. And 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 for me, it's like I didn't take a picture on Jefferson, but I hugged so many people. I cried with so many people. I sat there and I held hands with family members talking to people about how they can't sleep at night. Like I still can't sleep at night because I keep replaying the video in my head. I keep seeing it. I see, I see, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is real for me. And there were so many people down there that it's real for. It's not just a photo op. And you come down here and you want to, again, I'm grateful 
So so don't don't mistake what I'm saying here as like a, a lashing or, or me being ungrateful for any of the, the participation. But what I'm saying is now that the cameras are gone, how are you how are you showing support? Now that the now that CNN and Fox News and MSNBC is gone, all the cameras are gone. They moved down to Texas. Now there was another shooting today at I, I didn't even get a chance to really look to see what the school was. There was another shooting today. So the, the media is going there. In Buffalo, where are the people? Where are yeah. those people who were there for that? Are you still are you still gonna be donating food? Are you still coming down there to help pass out food and, and personal items for young ladies who don't have another place to go and pick this stuff up? Yeah. Where are you at now? And yeah, I'm sorry, I, I'm getting upset. So I'm gonna go I will say I will say that I am I am very pleasantly surprised. Well, Buffalo is trying to live up to the, the name of the city of good neighbors. There are so many people that I know that some of them had never stepped on foot of step foot on the east side before that, but now they're interested. Now they're they want to be a part. And it is, you know, there's less people giving out food. You know, one of the things that was like the for those few a few days, maybe a week, it was like it seemed like a it was so many people there that it seemed like a festival. And you know, there was um people hugging and sharing food and talking and praying together. And it was, it, it, it looked, it was, it was terrible because it took that, but it was beautiful to see. And it was like, this is what Buffalo could and should be is you, it wasn't, uh, white people didn't look weird on, on Jefferson, you know? And there's a lot of people who are trying to not just do, not just give money, and they're not just trying to give groceries, but they're trying to really figure out how to change some systems things. And it's not everybody, but there are some people that are there that are like, okay, man, I see it. I understand. I didn't, this is, this is crazy. This woke me up. George Floyd was the beginning. This is another, another level. And Madison, go ahead. I, I'm glad you said it because I'm getting ready to tell you why I don't buy it. And it uh -huh. is because of George Floyd. Uh -huh. It's because my little black behind was out there for those the protests downtown two years ago mm -hmm. when George Floyd was killed. And they said, this, oh, my gosh, we want to be here. We want to be allies. What can we do to help? All these, we brought up all these issues. And then there was a little bit of a runway to talk about it. I spent a lot of time reporting about, you know, some of the issues and the health disparities, uh, you know, higher cancer rates, all this other stuff. And they're like, damn, that's crazy. Oh my God! You guys got killed. We and, and and it's starting over. Yeah. And so, but that's the reason. Like, I'm not buying it because every time something happens, we say, "I was pissed." Two years ago, all of the t TV stations, you said, you know, we're gonna make sure that our newsrooms are in a place to respond to another, you know, major issue that has to do with race. And two years later, they had to fly my black ass in from Atlanta because none of the newsrooms were in a place to respond. Yeah, and you still are not. So I am pissed, and I don't buy it. Yeah, respectfully, I I well, I, I agree with hold you. Hold on, well, hold on, real quick, because that because that's where I'm coming from. And like I said, I I wasn't. So like I said, I want to make sure everybody understands. I'm not sitting here saying I don't appreciate those who who came down to help. What I'm saying is, okay, you were there to help when the cameras were there, or you were there to help when. Mm -hmm. But now, like Madison said, two years ago after George Floyd, there were protests. There was a lot of things going on that she reported on. And people was woke up then. People there. woke up then and they were like, okay, we get it. We want to be an ally. We want to be on your side. And then it disappeared. And the thing is, again, I, 
because of because of the siloing, because they never like people's mind thinks where their feet stand, right? And if you're removed from that space, you're not it's out of sight, out of mind. And if you're not doing life with black people or anybody who's in that space, it you you know you tend to move on and do life as usual. And if you're not, again, if you're not doing life with any, that's back to your point about Buffalo being the most, one of the most segregated cities is it gives you that luxury to not rub up against that. It gives you the luxury to not have to feel or be uncomfortable because your space is fine. You, your schools are fine. Your, there's not as much violence or crime there. There's like your beauty, your, your, the, your, uh, there's parks, and there's uh, your your buildings are, are are looking great, so you don't even have you don't even notice that. And if you don't have a person who reminds you of that, then it's uh, out of sight, out of mind. And I think now, um, it again, like it, it started with George Floyd, it's even more now. Is and, and this is back to the relational thing where we have to, uh, you know, expect and demand for that reciprocity and relationship. I'm not coming out to Elmwood to hang with you all the time. Come down here with me. If you want to hang with me, come sit in my backyard. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, this one thing that I read online today, which was very disheartening, it was like heart wrenching, but it's, it's true. One of my friends put up a job posting and someone put on the posting that they were not going to come to the interview because they're scared of that side of town because of what happened to, in the shooting. And, and I'm pretty sure that this person was not African-American. Um, so that's the thing we got to combat. It's like, yo, you, I'm not going to let you live in your bubble. I'm not going to like you. If you're going to deal with me, you're going to deal with me. And I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to just assimilate and come to your side of town and deal with. You know what I mean? You, I got to You got to have so I got to have that relationship. I let so much stuff go from that weekend because I was I was upset and focused on so many other things. But the amount of I'm going to lose some listeners. I already know the amount of people that weren't black or weren't from that community, didn't even live in the area going out, say, I'm OK for everybody out of town. I'm good. Of course, you're good because they weren't targeting you. And, and, and there has to be a level of sensitivity to, to, to these things. So like the post you're talking about. How dare you after this, you go on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and publicly say, oh, I'm not going to I'm scared to go over there. We live here. My grandfather lives there. But we did before. Your sister. I'm saying we, we did, did before and, that, and, and nothing changed. People said that when I moved to Buffalo, my white bosses said, I said, where do I live? They said, don't live on the east side. Don't live on the west side. Uh, try to live downtown. Are you paying me downtown money? Number one. The answer was no. <laughs> so, so they were scared before. So don't, you're right. Don't, don't come on this post. I'm scared to go over there. You weren't coming before and you didn't care if other people, if your granddaddy was living there, whether he was safe or not. No one cared because they don't live there. Akiri, I think what you said was fantastic. As we're over here venting, you're, I think you are really providing some solutions because I think that's really, you know, what you're looking for today is like, what can we do? And I think what you said is so important. Like, come here, do some grocery shopping here, go to our library, live here, work here. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think relationship that's- here. Have relationship here. Yeah. Like get to know the people. And and one of the other things that that I noticed while I was there, when I was in Buffalo, one of the things that and I noticed it before, but obviously when stuff like this happens, your eyes open up again. And it's like, why is it that 
and Kyrie and, and I talked about this yesterday for a while. Um, it's also disheartening that the care of the east side. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, aside from people automatically thinking that it's a dangerous side of town, it's also the city doesn't make sure that it's manicured properly. Every single empty lot I drove by, grass was as tall as Kyrie. He's only like four feet. The grass, the grass was that tall. You know what I'm saying? And on every side, every every empty lot I drove past, the grass was as tall as Kyrie. And then you got, you know, you can. So when we were kids, strays, God, please. You know, were, you know, we he can only get up, away with that because that's that's like my brother. But that's that's like really I'm, my best. I'm friend, not but. four feet, people who who don't know me. Y'all go, I am short. Four 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 four. So. <laughs> But when Kyrie and I grew up, like we would play football. He so he he grew, he lived on Harriet Street, right? We there was an empty lot across the street from his house, kind of catty corner. We would be out there playing football because the grass was cut. You could actually play football there. Right now, can no kids play soccer, football, anything in any of these lots? How? So you don't even have a safe space for kids to go and play. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. You know you. I already know it potholes is the whole city. So I'm not going to just say that's about the east side. But but there's so many things that are just not taken care. I drove down Bailey. Now I grew up like Bailey Killington and then a little bit later on I grew up like Bailey Langfield area. You drive down that block. When I was a kid, my mom could take me school shopping without leaving the east side. I didn't have to leave Bailey and Killington from Bailey and Killington to Bailey and Winspear. I could go shopping. I could shoot. If my sister wanted to flex, she can go and get some of that jewelry that girls used to like, you know, all that stuff. She didn't have to leave the east side. We didn't have to go to the Galleria. We didn't have to go to the Boulevard Mall or Eastern Hills or wherever. I don't even know if those malls are still. I know Galleria is. I don't even know if those malls are still open. But we didn't have to leave. Literally, I could go around the corner from my school. I went to 68. That This is, this is how ingrained in this community we were. Like, we went to school there. We grew up there. We went to church there. We everything there. And now I go back, there's a hole on the corner of Bailey and Kennington, that whole building burnt down, gone. You drive down Bailey, it's nothing but boarded up businesses and, and houses that need to be probably torn down. And it, But there's no investment there. So that's where my frustration comes. Again, like, like Madison said, I appreciate you, Kyrie, because out of my emotions, you're trying to provide some, some uh, actual solutions and some thought behind it. You know, it's just frustrating to me. Like I get emotional about this. So, and that's yeah. my, I told you that yesterday. That's my problem. I'm, I'm yeah. Like, when the mayor says, like, the mayor says, Mayor Byron Brown says that there's 18 million dollars coming to the east side. Right. I, I was at his at his budget. Uh, <laughs> I was at the state of the city, and he has plans. Uh, he has some plans for for the east side, and plans, Kyrie. You know, the they're, plans, they're, you know, I don't know him verbatim because uh, I, I I listened uh, and I had to leave in the middle of the, the, the state of the city because I had another meeting. But I did hear him say uh, at least once that there was 18 million dollars coming over. So. <laughs> I think Buffalo is in a space right now where because of the American rescue package, mm-hmm. um, because of. George, the, uh, George Floyd and this tragedy to be able to put, uh, hold some people accountable because they can't say now that where's, you know, we don't have the, the funds for it. They can't say now that we didn't, we don't know. We didn't, we didn't see, we don't know. It's not, we haven't been over there. You can't, you, not just the mayor, but you can't say business leaders can't say that 
nonprofit leaders can't say that. You can't say that there's no money, there's no resources, there's no people to to come help build that because there's a flood of people that came to, to volunteer. You can't say that you don't know what it looks like. So we're in a space where if they're not do if they don't do something right now, then it's it's even more of a scandal than ever before because they could they could say before oh we don't have a, we don't have the the uh the plans for that or we don't have and we're coming up with a plan they they we didn't have the plans for that or we don't have the resources or we don't have the manpower we don't have the time talent treasure for it now you got it all so we'll see what happens with it we'll see what happens with that and i think this this is my area right when it comes to accountability this is what i'm pushing for this is what our job is as journalists and that's where I'm looking back at the, the journalists on the ground and I'm saying, you cannot let these people go without holding them accountable. At $18 million, I wanna know every detail of where that money is going, every dime, penny and cent. Um, <clears throat> I was on another program a while ago and somebody asked how, how can we make sure people don't forget about Buffalo? And I'm like, this is where as journalists, I need them to continue this storyline. Like you did the family tributes, now I'm sitting down here in Atlanta and I'm like, hey, um, did all those families who said that they were going to have funerals paid for, did, were they paid for? Like, how did that happen? Where did all the money go? All these donations that are coming in, where is that at? The grocery store, they keep talking about tearing it down. I was like, why don't you look at other places around the country? There's a grocery store by my house. I, I'm going to say the name of it and it's terrible. It's called Murder Kroger because yep. people used to get killed yep. at this Kroger, not yep. mass murder. But there was a murder here, there was a murder there. And so they tore the whole thing down and they rebuilt this euphoric Kroger. Mm -hmm. And now it's, the, it's a, so I'm looking like, I'm like, do a story about what happened in other places where tragedies occurred, like what they did to those grocery stores, you know? Yeah. Like, like this is me, I'm, that was seven stories right there that I have not, was that seven? Seven, yes. <laughs> I'm like, I need the journalists there to do better to hold people accountable and make sure that the storyline continues past um, just tributes. Honor those lives lost by continuing to follow what's going to happen next. Because um, yeah. we're so ready to get up out of there. Like, okay, we did our black coverage for the year, bounce. So, uh, well, I wanna ask both of you this before we get out of here. I mean, if you, and, and I don't know if you have time, like if y'all have, if y'all can do some overtime, I'm, I'm for it. If not, we can, we can end this up, but I do um, wanna ask both I still of you. got till 10, which is when I was expecting to be here from nine to 10. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, but I do wanna ask both of you though. So for me, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a journalist like, like you, and I'm not, um, I'm not a community leader, like in the city, like you, Kyrie, right now. So what, what can I do? I get a, I get a lot of questions from people asking me what to do, what they can do, and the thing is, I I, I know where my heart is, and I know what I want to do, and I know what I, I I'm gonna do something. Like I know what I'm I, I got an idea of some things that I'm gonna do, but just from your perspective, um, you know, and again, we can start with Madison, swing this over to Kyrie. What from your perspective as a journalist, and you knowing what I do, you know the podcast space, and you know um, the little bit of I guess the platform I have, what, what do you suggest for me? Um, what I would love to see from you and where I think you can really serve best is by connecting people and those resources. Like, you, you know, this area, you're connected to all the families you got your, when you're hearing from back home, what is needed, be like, I got someone for that. I got someone for that. Cause then your people who are over here 
you know, in the sports world that you build, your company, all these other things, they're looking for ways to help. Um, you have friends that are journalists, you have friends that work in healthcare, you have friends that work in city hall, like you know so many people and you're hearing it from all sides. So I think the best use of you is to connect all those resources and to make sure people aren't forgetting about the needs on the ground. Yeah, I com I completely agree. I think, you know, again, back to the siloing thing, um, to integrate those networks, because you have a network of people who are, I, I'm sure, are looking to do things and, and, and want to be a part. And they don't have the network or people know the people that, you know, they, they're not connected there. So you can be definitely a connector and a bridge. And also just continuing to use your platform to just be real and continue to speak on what you know to be true. Um, and you bring the hard truth, man. And uh, in a way that's palatable, um, you know, uh, you know, not to say that you got to soften anything, but make sure that what you're doing is, is, is strategic. And um, you, you're, you're, and I know you, you're a strategic person. So just continue to do, uh, do that, man. Be strategic in how you're presenting and connect those people like, uh, like Madison said. And then, so now a follow-up to that same question, but now, again, um, there are a lot of people who have emailed, texted me, DM'd me, and are asking the same thing. Aside from going down on Jefferson and, and um, you know, passing out food or doing whatever, what are other ways right now um, in the community, and we can start this one with Kyrie, um, but what are other ways that people can help? What are, what are ways that people can be supportive? Um, what are ways that people can just, just in general, what, what can people do right now? Talk to somebody from the East side, go out of your way to, to, to start a friendship or start a conversation so that, because, and I, I put, I put this up on LinkedIn and this is my, to date, my most viral liked posts. It talks about how the East side, you're not, you, you know, people think that they were coming and they were helping, you know, doing charity work and helping the less fortunate, but they're not. They're, they're nurturing the, the powerful. They're, you know, they're, um, you know, nurturing the powerful. They're um, watering thirsty trees. They're sowing seed. Like this is not a space that is the less fortunate. Out of everything that has happened, people from the East side have still become journalists and the doctors and the EMTs and the police officers and the firefighters and the chief diversity officers and the, all of that has come with everything stacked up on the east side, they still we have still managed to become the best of the best. So imagine if we didn't have these barriers, these intentional kryptonite laced uh, barriers that keep us from our superpower. Have conversations and start relationships with people so that you don't see the east side as those people, as the others, but that is it is your people because when those people become your people and you have skin in the game, then you move mountains for your people. If they don't become your people, you will never be a real ally and you will never be a real uh, a person that uh, really does the, is the best that they can because they're not your people. Until peop the people of the east side become the people of the west side's people and the people of the, you know, North Buffalo's people. Until that happens, we're going to still have this problem. So go and befriend somebody. 
and not in a fake way. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to go and talk about race relations. You don't have to go talk about, um, I'm so sorry about this things that happened. It starts with, how was your weekend? Tell me about your kids. What do you like to do? Talk about the bills. Talk about something and, and, and move it. And don't just stop it there. Go have coffee and then, you know, have dinner and have your spouses or whoever and let your kids play. Do those things. Again, it's got to be a relational thing. There has to be reciprocity. And that's what people can do more than anything, more than giving money, more than uh, volunteering, become a uh, person who has relationships with, with people from every side of the city. Mine is simple. It's to keep asking questions and keep demanding answers. Um, journalist Heather wrote, uh, media has the shortest attention span and she is correct. That is so true. <laughs> um, it, it's infuriating because it's onto the next, onto the next. And then what we do as journalists, I'm gonna give you all some inside tip here. We sit around on the internet and figure out what people are talking about. <laughs> uh, what, are you, what are they saying? What do they wanna hear about? And then that's how so many journalists go out and find the stories. So if you ask for it, if you continue to demand answers, even to some of the stuff Kyria was saying, if you don't understand something, ask. <laughs> Tell somebody, can you go explain this to me? Um, that's what I really wanna see. Obviously as a journalist, I don't want the media to just keep moving past this because it's uncomfortable. So I need people to demand to know where that money you donated went. Um, all these diapers we put, who got them? How do you know? What is the mayor doing? Why did he partner with the, uh, uh, with the partner for this money? You know, What are the relationships? Transparency. So I think that's my biggest thing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, y'all have it. Um, we got some solutions here. Kyrie Stevens is, um, you're not on Twitter, are you? Yeah, I never, I never tweet. He lurks, okay. long time lurker. Yeah, he lurks, but I don't even lurk. I don't even open the app. I stay uh, You got to get on the bird app. We have so much fun over there. There's so much going on, man. But but you can find him on Instagram. I know for sure you can find him on Facebook. He has a lot of things going on. So if if you're trying to get involved in the community of Buffalo, or if you want to help out, you know, it doesn't matter. Like whatever your position is, he has things going on that you can put your hands on and be a part of. So uh, check out Kyrie. And, and obviously I'm sure everybody is following Madison. If you're not, what the, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, why are you not following Madison? She is the best reporter that we've had in Western New York. And I'm not saying this because she's on the show. Everybody knows how much I love Madison. And if y'all don't, y'all can go ahead and unfollow me now. Cause I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm putting it. I'm put, yeah. Cause no, like, look, there's certain people and Kyrie is one of them. And there's certain people, if, if y'all not for my, the people I'm for, like certain people is non-negotiable. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, I get it. Football. Yeah. I love Josh. You don't have to love Josh. Like I love Josh. It's football, but nah, Kyrie, what he's for and who he is as a person. If you're not for my guy, you're not for me. Madison, who she is as a person, not just what she does as a journalist, who she is. If you're not for her, you not for me. So I'm telling y'all now go rock with Madison She's doing it. She's down in Atlanta now, but she'll be back in Buffalo sometime. Um, do either of you, you have anything you want to say before we... You my agent? He's my agent. He work on my contract. I, I get you. I mean, I, I make it happen. I'm just saying. Right. I'll make it happen. I'm going to try to get you out in Phoenix, though. Forget that. You know what I'm saying? Get, get, it's, it's, it's hot out here. It's hot out here. It's hot. I'm going to go back where I can use my coats year-round. Uh, I, I, I don't even own a coat no more. I don't even own a coat no more. But do either of you have any closing thoughts or anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, nah, just thank you for, uh, you know, continuing to 
bring light and truth to, you know, to media. I mean, it's a, it's, it's refreshing, um, you know, and I just love you, dog. You know, you know, you know what the deal is. I ain't even gonna get into the whole thing, but I, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, no, Kyrie is really my guy. Like, this isn't, um, like, I know he was very professional on here. I'm going to just tell y'all, y'all should hear the stuff he says to me <laughs> when I answer the phone. Like, y'all would not, y'all would think, like, who is this even the same guy? So, like, he's my guy like that. But listen, I love y'all, um, both of you. I love everybody listening. We're going to get on out of here. I do want to say before I go, I am going to um, return tomorrow for the, um, the, the Hump Bay Hotline with Joe. I was kind of taking a break from football talks because like I said earlier I just didn't feel like it was important with everything going on but when I was down on Jefferson one of the things that um, I didn't personally realize I didn't realize how many people um, love me and look to me for an escape at certain points of their week or you know how many people look forward to the show so I, I am going to get back to talking about football but you're going to get these episodes like this every now and then sprinkled in more often because I think it's important for me to keep these conversations going and I don't want to ignore them anymore I don't want to um, ignore using my platform for things that I actually care about. I don't want to just call Kyrie when I get done with my show and, and complain. I actually want to use my voice to speak. So I do want you to know I am back with the football talk. We're going to get there. But but this is this is something near and dear to my heart that I'm going to be making noise with. So uh, we're going to get on out of here. Y'all know how I do it over here. Y'all love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative. Go Bills. Y'all can say go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Code of conduct.